Are you ready to jump into some true crime docs, crime thrillers, and more? Check out our website for an extensive list of our favorite movies and shows at thesirenspodcast.com slash watch, and find our favorite true crime and thriller books and authors, some covered on the show, at thesirenspodcast.com slash author alley. You can even find special deals for Amazon Music, Audible, Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, Showtime, and even Grubhub. If you're looking to jump in immediately, check out our pinned Facebook post for some streaming service free trials on us. You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. So now we're moving from 1886 to 1909. This is a, let's see, 1886, 1909. So that is a good, almost 20 years. Okay. So So for 25 for 45. Yeah. Okay. Between 1909 and 1912, towns along this Southern Pacific Railroad line running through Louisiana and Texas, a minimum of 12 African-American whole-ass families were murdered in their homes, most of them while they were asleep at night in their beds. All of the murders occurred at night with an axe used to either hack them or uh, fracture their skulls. So these murders blazed a path of terror through these cluster of towns along the Southern Pacific Railroad line. Uh, It ran from Austin, Texas, all the way to New Orleans, like I said, while sources argued about the first murder connected to the case, it may have been a woman named Edna Oplausis and her three children killed in Rain, Louisiana in November 1909. Early one morning in late January 1911, a police officer in West Crowley, Louisiana, received an urgent phone call, and neighbors feared something terrible had taken place. 605 Western Avenue, and when the officer arrived at the home, he found the home's three occupants, Walter Byers, his wife, and his son, lying in their bed with their skulls, split completely open. The bed was drenched in blood, the bloody footprints speckled the floor, and the doors were locked, indicating that the killer had come in through a window and murdered the family while they slept. There was a bucket of blood in one corner, so this is new, (laughs) and at the head of the bed, just above the bashed-in bodies, stood the bloodied axe used to kill them. Left it there. Left it there. Which, the other guy left it a lot of times as well. Uh, So the local newspaper called it, quote, the most brutal murder in the history of this section, end quote. But it was just one of the axe slayings that would terrify parts of Louisiana and Texas in the early 1910s. The police were somewhat used to crime happening in their largely poor part of town, but the brutality of the murders quote, brand with an axe, end quote, as one source put it, surprised them. I wonder if that's where that phrase originated, brained. I think so. Nice. So a little more than four weeks later, on February 25th, the murderer struck again, 
in that house, killing four members of the Andrus family, which was 30 miles away in Lafayette, 30 miles away from the last murder. The killer took the lives of Alexander, Mimi, Joshim, and Agnes Andrus. By then, the police began to suspect that their crimes were so similar that they might have been the work of the same terrible monster. A month later in San Antonio, Texas, Alfred and Elizabeth Cassaway were murdered in a similar fashion along with their three children. It's interesting that it's expanded to the whole family. The entire family. Yeah. 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 Well, we did see the murder of one child in the last one. We did. But it was just one child. Now we have... Whole family. It was also specifically a female who was murdered, and mm-hmm. when previously a young boy had been left alive. Mm-hmm. And I do want to mention that all of these families I'm mentioning are black families. That is hatefully motivated. It's got to be. And I see that, and but I also st- I am also still sticking with my own of lack of recognition of them being people in the first place. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. He's yeah. devalued them completely. Exactly. Disassociating Complete their devaluation. So, after a few false leads, police focus on one man named Raymond Barnabet, a local petty criminal and a sharecropper from Lafayette who lived in, quote, the back part of town, end quote. Raymond was arrested based on suspicions from his mistress after a fight. All right. Yep. No. Yep. <laughs> Shut it down. Yep. She, she had <laughs> closed the notebook and walk away. <laughs> like, she, nope. <laughs> she had griped about him to a friend and suggested a possible connection to the murders. This is the part where any modern detective would be like, thank you for your time. I'm sorry. Does this official <laughs> record use the word griped? <laughs> yes. Like, mm. Yes, it does. Okie dokie. Griped. Yeah. Okay, so Clementine Barnabet was his daughter. So Clementine's upbringing wasn't an easy one. She was born in 1894 in St. Martinville, Louisiana, to Nina Porter and Raymond Barnabet. Her father was reportedly a petty thief the whole time with a violent temper who was unfaithful to his wife and abusive to his entire family, which also included a son named Zephyrin. They moved to Lafayette, Louisiana in 1909 and lived in a rundown part of town. The family ended up moving to Lafayette in, in 1909 in an area referred to as the back part of town, meaning... They were very poor. Besides her parents, Clementine lived with her brother, but the family supposedly found solace. And this is where you're going to love you're gonna Oh, love I this. already love this. I'm already mad. Yeah. It's <laughs> so like, just because keep... <laughs> just like all of these reports back in the day, it's like, also, he was unfaithful. Mm-hmm. It's like, every one of them all say that. I know, but you're going to really love this part. So, apparently, the entire family found solace in what was called the Church of Sacrifice. Yep. This was apparently a cult which provided opportunity for male and female members alike. In fact, at the age of 17, Clementine was allegedly one of the leaders of this organization. Translation showed up the most. Yep. In no record anywhere does she say that she was ever involved with this cult at all. So, I don't know. Oh, my God. Let's hear hear a little more about this cult, by the way, because more than likely it was a brothel. Uh, All right. already mad. Yeah. So, like I told you... Raymond was pointed to for all of this, um, and he was actually arrested and taken to trial. Uh, During his trial in October 1911, his children, Zephyrin and Clementine, testified against him 
Clementine, who was a teenager at the time, told this graphic story of her father returning home one night with blood on his clothes, and he threatened the entire family if they spoke about it. Now, Clementine recalled this night um, that he was... uh, he was apparently very a very violent man as well, and they were terrified of him, so they didn't say anything. The siblings asserted that their own lives were in danger, and they didn't want to turn on him, I guess you could say. However, even as Raymond sat in jail, another murder took place. Bet it was magic. <laughs> it was voodoo. He so, voodooed right out of that alibi. Yep. I hate white people so goddamn much. Nope. Yep. <laughs> On November 26, 1911, Norbert Randall, his wife, and three children and nephew were all murdered in Lafayette in the same heinous fashion. There was one horrific addition. While the rest of the family was attacked with an axe, Norbert was actually shot in the head. Ooh. All right. That's that's out of character. That's out of the profile. It is. It is. That out also of leads to somebody being there who wasn't reported. Cor- that's what I thought. That's what I thought. There were maybe more than one person there. This is where we're get. This is where we're get starting to get into whether it's cover up or not. But there's people missing from these yeah. circumstances. Because yeah. uh, no, that's you're right. It's completely out of profile. It, yeah. it, it really reeks is. of manipulation yeah. of the scene. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, and then there's also the theory that um, if this all was the same killer, if we had the same killer the whole time, uh, it's been 20 years between the two. Uh, we don't know of any more that he's done between now and then, but he is getting older. This is the late 1800s. Maybe he took on a charge or something. Wait, I thought this was like 1910 or something. This is 1911. But if we say that it's the same guy from the There's first case. A, so then he's put 30 he's, years. Yes. Okay. There's also one other thing. Maybe he's taken on a charge or something. The relative availability of pistols from 1900 to 1911 skyrocketed because the standard bullet became more publicly available in that time period. You're not wrong, yeah. and that's completely accurate. And you're not wrong. But we're talking about a man who's built a personality around his ability oh, to no. take a life yeah. with an axe. I am in no way, shape, or form saying that the killer possibly used a gun at all. What I am saying is that for copycats or anybody else around him or anybody emulating this crime, it would be more likely that somebody did have a pistol on their person now than yeah. it would have when these started. Sure, well, sure, sure. Especially yeah, if you're if you're a killer and you're getting older. And you're not as capable as you Correct. used to be. Yeah. Not to mention, 1911 is about to revolutionize firearms in general. Yeah, it's true. They, yeah. they did that around. Literally, that time. the Colt 1911 standardized yeah. semi-automatic. So the sheriff, who was already suspicious of Raymond's children, went ahead and arrested them. Uh, <laughs> wait a second. Hold yep. on. Why? Yeah, yes. Like, we made a huge jump. His suspicions right. stemmed in part from the fact that they had bad reputations around town. Translation. <laughs> they were poor. Yes. There you go. During the trial, their neighbors, the Stevens family, described them as, quote... <laughs> I hate them already. <laughs> described them as, quote, filthy, shifty, degenerate. End quote. Uh, Translation. So, they're poor and black. Yes. Yeah. And so there was another detail that concerned Lacoste. When police came to the Barnabet re- residence, initially to arrest Raymond, 
Blood from the Andrews murders. They say blood from the Andrews Speculative. Murders. Speculative. Objection. Blood. Let's say blood was found on Clementine's clothes. Like apparently she, her clothes were covered in blood and she had changed out of them and just like left them. Question. Up. What did Clementine do as a young woman who probably did have an occupation at some point in there? We cult leader, according to these records. Mm, cult she was only 17 at this time, or 16 or 17 at Didn't this time. Didn't matter. So she's only been working like five well, years. Besides, yeah, besides exactly. Standard Oil getting this one actually okay, the early 1900s... Well, most of them were cooks. Well, the early 1900s, like anyone from the age of eight to yeah. the age of dead was expected to be working, especially in the South as well. So yeah. She had that, to do something. So whether she was a cook or she was anything well, else, if blood was a regular part of everybody's life. Yeah, I mean, especially if you are a cook, like like most of, of these young black women are at this time, there's a lot of, you don't just go get the chicken from the store. You got to kill the chicken. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was it was also side of, be- of it, yeah. side of beef is fucking heavy. Yes. a slab of pig yeah. is fucking heavy. Yes. you got to carry him with your body. Yes. guess what comes out of dead meat? Yeah, blood. blood. Yeah, could have yeah. been anything. Could have been anything. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Purely speculative nonsense. Uh, she actually testified during her father's trial that he had wiped blood there after the murders. Well, we're we're gonna get to know Clementine a little bit, but this I- is getting silly. <laughs> I also feel like this was a great way to get rid of a piece of shit dad. Yeah. Just beat the shit out of her oh, whole yeah. life. Um, but anyway. We, we've all read The Crucible. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it, so, the deputies arrested Clementine and searched the family's home where they found more evidence. As uh, reported on November 28th, 1911, there was, com- there was quote, a complete suit of women's clothes in her room, saturated with blood and covered with human brains, in quotes. <laughs> You're rolling foremost, your eyes so hard. <laughs> I would like to go back to what I just hypothesized earlier. I wish I could roll my Yes, brain. I know. I wish well, I could roll my eyes so hard I gave myself a as, stroke. Absolutely. All brain matter. It looks the same. Yep. All of it. Separated from the skull and oxidized yeah. is indistinguishable. You would, you would have to have an actual... I've seen it on scene, and I personally, yeah. as a trained medical professional, have confused it with adipose tissue. Just fat from yeah. under the skin. It's you, There's no universe where a dude in 1911 was like... <laughs> yeah. That's brains. Look here, this is the human part of it right there. Look how it has the ability to reason. Oh, here, you can't... <laughs> out of here. You can't see it behind the pig snout. Let me Get move that. Out of here with that. Exactly. That's like, it was from the Andrews... Okay, look, you could tell it's a white dude's brain. Look. Also, from early... Get out of my face. With from late 1800s and early 1900s, cooking knowledge, too, by the way, everybody look up the word sweetbreads. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't until Sweet about... Sweetbreads are dope, I way. believe it was about the 30s to the... It was the 30s, I think, when organ meat was really stopped in America for the most part, or at least where they started going against that. But, yeah, organ meat was a regular thing. Also, there are like 30 different cultural uh, recipes for brain soup. Yeah, yeah. The, them 1900s yeah. food was a little oh, yeah. scarce. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. we're going. We're not going to throw yeah. out these these bits anymore. Not only that, but there was a latch on the door that was covered in blood. <laughs> Human blood, yeah. obviously. Of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew's blood. We typed it. Yeah. Typed it immediately. Zephyrin provided an alibi for the night of the murders, but Clementine did not have one and was immediately taken to jail. What was her alibi? 
the other poor that she was child a cult already leader, arrested apparently. next to you. <laughs> Even while she and her father both sat in jail, the murders did not stop. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. In January of 1912, three more families were murdered. God damn it. In the third instance, Felix Broussard, his wife, and three children were killed in Lake Charles, Louisiana. The killer splayed the victim's hands apart with pieces of wood and left a handwritten message on the wall. Some sources say the message was written in blood. Others say it was in pencil. How you could... I don't know. Human pencil. Human pencil. I'm so mad about that. I'm going to be mad about that for three days. I'm telling you right now. What it said was, quote, When he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. End quote, which is apparently a version of Psalms nine twelve in the King James Bible. Let's find the fuck out, shall we? Psalms nine twelve, King James Producer Bible. Can cannot confirm. Producer, yes, it is that exact verse and exactly the quote that you said. Is that King James? Yes. Yep. So yeah, uh, verified. The message was signed, yeah. the Human Five. Well, that sounds fucking bananas. That sounds like some shit a white dude would make up. The number in the signature led police to think that a band of murderers was at work and that it lent this nickname picked up by the press, the Human Five Gang. Newspapers obviously had a field day with it and they fell into the idea that the murders were connected to some voodoo ritual. And the El Paso Gazette published a story on the Broussard murders. You know that thing out of your book? Yeah, clearly that's voodoo. Titled, <laughs> quote, Voodoo's Horrors Break Out Again, end quote. The story suggested the crimes were connected to human sacrifice that took place as part of a voodoo ritual and emphasized the idea of the number five as somehow having ritualistic relevance. Was it five people that were doing this? Was it five people that they were killing? It's someone who thought they were being clever hiding a pentagram in something. That's all it was. <laughs> Absolutely was not. It was someone who did not want the police looking for one dude. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. Because he's just smarter than them. Which um, apparently, or it was God, some... I can't believe I'm about to say this. Come on. Was not that hard to accomplish. No, it wasn't. Nope, not no. back then. So I'm looking at a website called... Uh, uh, Acadiana? Anyway, so the image that I'm looking at oh, on this, cool. uh, you said that the fingers of the victims were splayed out yeah. with wood. Yeah. Okay, so there is an image that I'm looking at on this website that is going, it has actually a whole de- uh, a whole article on this particular case, um, and this is one of the images tied to it. It is of a drawing of a hand that it, all the fingers are splayed out. There's something that is below... It's a description of the picture that just says how the dead fingers of the baby victims are spread apart with pieces of wood after they are sacrificed with an exclamation point. There's that uh, sensationalized media. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So the El Paso Gazette said, quote, two months ago, six members of the Wexford family perished at the hands of the fanatics, but one was an infant that had been born only the day before the tragedy and in all probably had not been taken into consideration when the plans for the human sacrifice were consummated, end quote. <sighs> but Purple can, prose. We can agree that has absolutely no archaic or supernatural significance whatsoever. That was made up. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, and for we're, sure. But what we are noticing, fact, factively, 
is he still positioning? Bond? Yes, exactly. yes, he same is. Thing. It's the same dude. That's well, well, that's what I was getting ready to bring up because once again, the previous parts of the case that we don't know, mm-hmm. like how were they posed? Yeah, how many times were they? We hit? don't know that. Where yeah. were they hit? We don't know that exactly. And and the media it has jumped on this voodoo train so hard that they even miscommunicate that these people. Um, are targeting families with five people in them. However, that wasn't true at all. Like there were several families that only had four that were killed or that had six that were killed. So that wasn't true. They were just sensationalizing this and just running with it. Yeah. We got to understand also the fastest forms of communication around 1911 were the telegraph was just getting put into places. You also have early experiments in radio technology. The phone was the fastest, and that still required a person to connect your yeah. call. I always yeah. thought it was that little boy with the paper. You know? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. What were they called? Paper Newsies? Um, yes. That's what the musical yeah. was. <laughs> That's the only reason I know it. So around the same time, rumors were swirling that Clementine was the leader of this cult and she was ordering all of this to happen. That's what that's how it, that's how it could happen while she was still in prison. To anyone listening in, in to this, jail. I am so sorry for laughing at this. My laughter has nothing to do and is not a, from a cynical place. It's from a place of pure frustration. Of absurdity. Of and absolute yes, absurdity. Yes, yes. <sighs> So she was the leader of this cult called the Church of Sacrifice. Was she, though? It was supposedly nope. <laughs> led by one Reverend King Harris, which was actually a Pentecostal revival preacher with a small congregation connected to the Christ-sanctified Holy Church, and, and people were now, like, mistaking those okay. things. Awkwardly enough, that's one of the most potentially believable parts of this in the first place because that it was a a reverend no that it was pentecostal southern pentecostal in the early 1900s were this is where the stories of snake walking and doing very strange things came from and a lot of the times though certain newspapers didn't know how to recognize or didn't want to that this was technically a christian group yeah and they would misapply things from pentecostals to voodoo also i'm just gonna point out penta we're, yes, five. I know. So we're t- we're actually we're, we're talking about the ones in the small churches where you see them like praying and like their eyes are rolled back and they've got the snakes on them and Speaking they're healing people and okay yeah yeah. Eventually, on April fifth, nineteen twelve, Clementine made a full confession, admitting to seventeen murders. Okay, how long was that? <laughs> how long was she in custody there before she made a, before she made a confession? April 5th. November 1911 to April 1912. That'll do it. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, six months um, incarceration. Beaten every day. <laughs> exactly. But also, there are claims that Clementine was also a pathological liar. Wow. Um, because... You didn't say what I wanted you to. <laughs> it liar. must be pathological. <laughs> what a liar you That's are. a word I learned in a book the other day. Did you kill these people? Well, no. Liar. Liar. <laughs> because over the next several years, she would recant, and then she would tell a completely different version of this confession. Get delirious and from dehydration, starvation. Probably, yeah. Again. And it, exactly. No one basically heard the same story from her twice. Yeah. That's um, what happens when you're a prisoner and you don't know why you are. Yeah. I mean, there was even at one point when she said that she disguised herself as a man 
and would lurk around so that people wouldn't like lurk around it was where just, the prison. She when she was killing. <laughs> oh, like, okay. When she, yeah, when she mm. killed these people. Then she said, "No, she was just part of this cult, and they would take turns killing people, and like it was Group A's turn this this family, and then Group B's turn this. And then there was one point when they were like, "Oh, okay, what cult was that?" And she couldn't even name the cult. It's literally picking and choosing <laughs> because you didn't tell me what that part yeah, was. Yeah, you didn't tell me that part. The, the, one, so, that, the one that you the, said. The one that I ran. And, you know, yeah. that, that one. Yeah. You wrote it down? Can I see uh, that? Page yeah. just for can, I, can I see your notes? And then there was at one point when she confessed, but then but she said she didn't kill any of the children. Now, we know that that's a lie because, I mean, well, we know that the children were killed in these instances. Killed a fucking baby for But God's she sakes. said she didn't kill children because she didn't want to leave them orphaned well that wasn't even that's not even right identifying interrogational techniques shows she has remorse for the killing she understands that they're wrong she has a place in her mind that has a cap on violence she'd be willing to perform it's just not the psychosis behavior we've seen in any of these previous killings i do not believe it not at all uh so the lafayette advertiser printed her first full confession in the newspaper oh god on april 5th 1912 and they added at the end quote clementine's confession has been received with varying shades of belief owing to the positive ways she swore in the trial of her father and the misleading information she was given as to her accomplices end quote and the Peabody goes to... So, yeah. Uh, she had testified in her father's uh, trial, and obviously that was a lie. Like, she just, like... She was kind of known to be a, a pathological liar. Well, yeah, because what do you do as a defensive when mechanism? You, yeah, exactly. When well, people keep hauling your takes. ass in. Yes, but... And, no, it wasn't even that. It was that they brought her in once, and they never let her go. Yeah. And who knows... Do you know what kind of tactics they used back then to try to get, get a confession out of people. Who knows what they did to her? And so, finally, you've just got to tell them something. I'd have told dumbasses who were holding me against my will that I was a voodoo wizard. Is like if it made their dumbasses leave me alone. You better back up. Yeah, I'm shrink your nuts. I'm gonna shrink your nuts. There was a, a district attorney mm-hmm. at the time, Howard Bruner, who theorized that some of the murders were a copycat of the first ones done, but that kind of went nowhere. A typical group of Louisiana rice pickers from whom the victims of the sect of sacrifice are taken. Wow. It's just a picture of black people. It's, that is not, I know. Yeah, it's so it's, fucking racist. What am I looking at? You're looking at... I am infuriated. You're looking that. at the stereotype that Good the actual God. killer was focusing on. They, these, Why at this point... Why would you point, post a photo like that unless no. it was... In case you forgot what black people look like. Now we're, at wow. the ti- now we're at the times where I'm going... Uh, I actually will get on board with it. At this point, we're looking at hate. Yeah. It's got to be hate, man. This isn't just. This what isn't else just, could it be? This is. Just, this isn't just psychotic uh, mm-hmm. profiling and uh, and di- and dissociation. Real quick, what's our murder count right now? Thirty-five. Thirty-five murders. So we add that to the what seven that happened in uh, Tejas? Uh, yes, seven. Seven there. Two before. There were that? five um, black women and two white women that died. So seven total of seven. Okay, yeah. forty-two. Yeah, forty-two um, humans. It also like didn't help. That Clementine had uh, told some reporter that she had gained a voodoo charm Mm. to make her invisible, an invisibility voodoo charm. Oh, God. And I think that she did that because she, I, I don't know if she was trying to implicate this guy on purpose or not. But anyway, there was like a, he wasn't a voodoo priest. Um... 
But anyway, his name was Joseph... Thibodeau. Uh, she said that he also gave her the ideas for the crimes, but that he swore that he had, that had never happened and that he was no voodoo priest. He simply engaged in root-based medicine. So he's making a soda. Yeah. <laughs> he was said to, uh, quote... He was noted for the practice of conjuring warts away. Um, And that was just like another thing that she said at one point. So despite investigators' suspicions regarding Clementine's confessions, the stories about her continued to circulate. Bruner officially filed charges against her on April 14th, 1912. She did sit in jail until that time. Um, While she sat in jail, she confessed to the 35 murders, but kept retelling the story over and over, different every time you... You never knew, but they charged her anyway. Literally, all they had was the bloody, bloody clothes and her confession, and her confession kept changing. So, what happened after that? Because I have a sneaking suspicion there were nine more murders. Well, yeah. her defense attorney claimed that she was insane, but she was found sane and stood trial. She was actually sentenced to life at the Louisiana Penitentiary at the age of 19. Um, but they only convicted her for one of the murders. I don't know why they didn't lump in the rest of them. I guess. I, I don't know. But it was for the Andis murder. I know why. When, um, you Because then that's where the actual technicalities of the law come in. And they couldn't find any of them, so they just made one fit. So, she actually attempted to escape jail on July 31st, 1913, but she was caught the same day. This was her only attempt to escape. Despite her escape attempt, she was considered a model prisoner the entire time she was there. Um, She only served 10 years, according to one brief report about the prison. She received a, quote, procedure that was said to have restored her to normal condition. Oh, God. And she was released from prison. Her whereabouts after that, what happened after that, What year was that again? Hold on, hold on, because hold on, hold on, producer. This was 1913. And 1913, far away. Possibly, yes. Um, But the crazy part about this is that her defense attorney claimed she was insane. But they deemed her sane enough to stand trial. So but the then procedure did they do? But then mm-hmm. they do a mental procedure on her that you would really only do on someone who was deemed insane. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Something fucking horrible. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. It depends on what they either needed to get away with. They could just say that a procedure was done or they did a procedure because those were handed out like breath mints. I don't know what happened to her, where she lived after that. Uh, she just kind of disappeared off the face of the planet after that. Quick thing, uh, electroshock therapy wasn't uh, in regular practice until 1937. Oh, ah, there you go. Okay. So they just... Um, lobotomy. That was a lobotomy. <laughs> shit out of her. Or yeah. they beat the shit out of her. Yeah, either way. These atrocities are made possible in part by viewers like you. Uh, there were no mur- more murders after that. There were three murders while she was in prison. Oh, gee. Um, but that last uh, human five thing, that was that was it. Well, when you say electroshock therapy, what everyone thinks of is in the movies when they take the two electrodes and they touch them to your dome. There were loads yeah. of different yeah. versions yeah. of it. Okay, so the most common form of that is going to be electroconvulsive therapy. Yep. I will not. I'll let you Google 
just how recently they stopped doing this. Yeah. <laughs> it's traumatizing. 1989. Well, here's the thing. What they would do with that in... Uh, God, it's so barbaric to even it think is. of now. But what they, the objective was to initiate a seizure. Yep. That's what it's Why? for. That's what they do with it. They for- would to manage mental disorders... To create a state of complacency. You're not managing a mental disorder if you're seizing the body. The published theory was to hit the reset button. So when a seizure happens, uh, you are, uh, you suffer any number of deficits, but the most common of which are going to be hypoxia. It's going to be acidic buildup in the muscles and tissues. It's going to be all kinds of stuff that causes what we call a postictal state. After you have a seizure, you enter this lucid trance because you're exhausted. Every single muscle in your body has just been hyperactivated for several minutes and then stopped on a button. In that state, you will agree to anything. And so what they they weren't trying to get the seizure. The seizure wasn't, I mean, it is. It's what they wanted. But what they really wanted was that postictal state. That state where you're altered, where you can't think straight, where you can't make decisions, and they would go, hey, you're not crazy anymore. And you'd go, okay, sounds good. And then they'd do that until you said it every time you were awake. Yeah. You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?